0: Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to Shut the Culture Up. Michelle, what? Shut the culture up. Well, welcome back, everyone. And we are in our third episode of this series this month. And we are here to talk through really culture and elaborate on our last episode. So, you know, through the series, we've talked a little bit about, you know, culture and just kind of the very, the various issues. And then last episode, we talked about how you can really get started. And this episode is really okay. Now you have your idea formulated. What the hell do you do with that?
1: You know, it's going to be a little different for each of you, but there are some steps that you absolutely absolutely can take that are consistent regardless of what you found out during all of that research. So that's really what we're going to dig into today is what can you do now that you know the truth about where you are compared to where you want to be?
0: And I'm pretty sure everyone on this call does not have a perfect established culture. So there's work for everyone to have something to do in their daily lives on this, whether you're an HR or you're part of the problem as an employee in the organization, and you want to be part of the solution, or you're an executive just listening to us wanting to help out you know, your organization from a different perspective and figure it out. So, you know, when we talk about culture, you know, we've we've spoken about how companies essentially have made mistakes and not everybody is perfect at this. So let's just start off with saying it's okay to not be perfect. Nobody's going to have all their shit together. It's okay. But some of the pieces we talked about last time was just, A, getting you know a roundtable together or a survey of your population or just gauging and going around and talking to individuals. And it's literally as easy as that. I think, I think companies overcomplicate this process of identifying their culture.
1: So true. So true. I think we make it, try to turn it into rocket science. Overanalyze things, and sometimes I think we end up with analysis paralysis where we're getting all this information more and more and more and more, and we just want more information and we stop moving. It's one of the things that I always warn companies about when they start that process of surveying and round tables if you're not going to do something with it, if you're not going to move forward and try to make changes. Whether they are successful or not is irrelevant. If your team doesn't see that you're trying, all of that hard work becomes irrelevant and it puts them at a different position in the future. Like you said the first time you were going to do something with it. Now you're telling me you're going to do something with it again. I don't really believe or trust in you anymore. You're going to lose that opportunity. You've got to just crunch your data crunch the information you learned, and move forward.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get straight to it and tell you exactly what it is that you need to do because I feel like we have a ton of talking points and examples. But step one is obviously establishing a culture committee. It's interesting because everyone has a different perspective on what a culture committee does.
1: So I actually, um, you were, you, you and I were talking about this once before, um, and I inherited a department in uh, the job that I currently work in where the culture committee was exactly the way you described it. We were the folks that gave out candy at the Christmas party. That's what we did. Literally, we organized holiday parties, and pick the event of your choice. It depends on where we were in the world. We organized mazes for people to walk through to play games. And guys, don't get me wrong. It's actually, it's a really common discussion that we have on my HR core team where I work today. And we usually laugh a little bit that, um, and this is a specific example that we Um, We probably say all the time, company picnics are great unless nobody likes being at the company and no one comes to the company picnic. Having a company picnic is not going to fix your culture problems. People just aren't going to show up because they don't like you, right? You got to fix the culture first and then all of those things like parties or candy or company picnics do have some value, but those things are frills that come at the end. They are not what drives the culture of your company. So when we say culture committee, we are not talking about a whole bunch of event organizers. Okay. Yeah,
0: no, I think an event or an event planner or event coordinator, you should hire one of those if that's what you intend to make it you know, be because people don't want to coordinate or plan that. They are busy and they're probably even more busier than you anticipate them to be unless you literally have admins with free time, um, which is interesting.
1: There's another weird side effect that we are trying to recover from Having had key HR personnel in charge of this culture committee, we are now at a place where I have to unwind this idea that HR does the celebration or the employee recognition or patting employees on the back or all of the fun things. And I got to be honest with you, I'm a big fan of if you're a leader, that's your team. You own it when it's good. And you own it when it's bad, right? And so now I'm spending all this time unwinding because I have leaders that should feel empowered to say, I actually had somebody come up to me and say, Can I get a birthday cake? No, it wasn't. A, it was an anniversary cake. Someone had been with the company for 30 years and they were like, I'd like to give me anniversary cake. Can you do that for me? And I'm like, No, you can totally do that for yourself. Get a cake. Oh, team. <laughs> so, When we say culture committee, we really are talking about a cross-functional group of people who are kind of the gatekeepers of all of the actions that you do moving forward. It needs to be people who are strong, who are confident, who are willing to come in with their opinions. It needs to be people that are open to hearing or representing others. You want to make sure that every department in your company is represented, not just that biggest group. Most of us have a really large operations base. And then you've got a bunch of smaller support roles that fall into like SGA. But SGNA is important for the success of your company. So you've got to make sure you've got a voice for operations and a voice for finance a voice for hourly individual contributors, a voice for senior leadership, and it needs to be sponsored by someone who will remove obstacles for that group, needs to be someone who is so on board for a cultural change that they will fight for the group to get what it needs
0: yeah, and I think it's also important that if you already have a culture committee established in your organization because I'll tell you, you know, I've been in organizations, culture committees established. they're glorified, they're glorified event planners, okay? So you have to then either change the head of that committee or you then have to shift the individual's mindsets in that committee. So you literally need to say, I understand we've been meeting X and X amount of times and we've been talking about X, Y, and Z, but moving forward, let's talk and let's reshift and reprioritize our focus. And we need to talk through, um, you know, I'm going to ask a ton of questions. I'm going to ask about what you think the culture is or whatever. And then we need to, or here's the information I've been provided. How do we solve for this problem? through what we can do in our individual locations. So I think that is the most critical component of it is you have to be comfortable with getting people uncomfortable or giving them transparency on the information you've already identified, especially if that's gonna go out organization-wide because you have to just understand and be vulnerable to that because those uh, employees will help you reestablish your culture so you just have to say here's what i found out we need to make a difference or an impact in the organization and how do we do this together
1: you know it's funny as you as you talk through making that change right and it can be uncomfortable comfortable for people um, because they have gone through this with the belief that this thing will solve the problems, whatever this thing is, uh, a holiday party where I serve turkey to everybody. They've gone through this thinking this thing um, will solve the problem. But if you guys think if you were um, with us in episode one of Shut the Culture Up, one of the things that came up, I think it was episode one. With Olivia, where I said Google, and you guys said yeah, but Google's real culture and Google's world culture are two different things. So, like when you aren't part of Google and you just look at news reels about Google, what you see is foosball tables and free lunches and and um sleeping pods and bring your pet to work, right? But the actual culture, when you're there, is aggressive, overachiever, work to get stuff done, push the edge, and all of those other pieces that we see as pretty. Maria, you know, Maria presented this and talked to this about us. We see them as the pretty pieces. Well, chances are your culture committee thinks that those pretty things fixes a culture. And you're going to have to level set that with them to make sure they understand where you really are. And maybe you are where you want to be, but maybe you're not. And that's why you're listening to this podcast.
0: Yeah. And a lot of your entry level workforce will think that way. If you throw food at people, they will be excited and happy. The problem is, is The Googles of the world and the Amazons of the world that do invest into their talent that way, it's because they've created this work hard mindset, right? So that they allow for those perks. Let's be real. Not everybody is dedicated and a work hard um, type of individual. You have a small population of them, and that's why they become possible leaders in an organization if they're not forced into leadership or, you know, they're they're your most hypo or your top talent in an organization. And so that's where you're going to identify the small subset and the small percentage. Everyone else just wants to work their nine to five and get their paycheck. You
1: know, it's funny. I'm totally, I'm into more than nine to five. I'm okay with a, a longer schedule than that. But you and I are great examples of this that Well, actually, food probably does nothing for you either, because I know your values. (laughs) Um, But so we're both good examples. If you buy us food, we're totally going to eat it. and We're going to say thank you for it. And we are genuinely grateful. But that free meal is not the reason we come to work. And it's not what we believe our culture is. There are other reasons that drive us to come to work. And you're going to have to get that group to understand that distinction. And it will be uncomfortable. But you know what? Change does not happen unless people are uncomfortable. That's true. And you can't force
0: them into it. You know, like Michelle, you mentioned the company picnics. So My, my last company, they were like, everyone has to go to this picnic. It's company mandatory. And it, yeah, <laughs> that is you're trying to force and force and shove culture down someone's throat. And that's not necessarily the, the whole part of the process, right? So I think that's an important part of it as well. When you talk about, you know, establishing a culture committee, being transparent with the, the number of changes and whatnot, I think the second step is mission, vision, and values really need to be established and you need to make it real. And what does that mean?
1: So um, there's an interesting thing happened. And I think um, you and I both worked at an organization called FedEx Office. So FedEx bought Kinko's um, in 2004. Like it was probably a solid five to six years later when we had an updated purpose, vision, mission, and core values. And they kept some of that consistency from the previous years. But they decided to change stuff because the combination of kind of that global FedEx culture with that Kingo's you know say yes to everything culture, it created this new sort of entity for FedEx. and so they really wanted to start from scratch, break it all down, and build it up based on reality. And this was I remember originally thinking that took a long time, but then Also looking back at it, I see how well it rolled out. Like the purpose statement, which I remember even until today is connecting people. And there's this whole hand gesture that I used to use with like one hand was your people. One hand was possibilities, connecting people and then clap your hands together to possibilities around the world. And yes, I know that came across with a bit of sarcasm. Because truthfully, when I first heard it, I probably did. The the cynical part of me went, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? We send faxes. I'm going (laughs) to need you to calm down. okay?" But what they did was they really did think about the core of those products, the things that we really do. They also built, I don't know if you remember this at the time, but they built a, and you guys, you may not all have the money for this piece of it, but do it internally and do it with less cost. Film it on your camera, but they did a whole sentimental series of I Am FedEx, um, and they would feature uh, videos of employees within the organization. Talking about things that they have done to truly represent that purpose, connect people to possibilities around the world. Um, there was also a customer-facing campaign. You know, often in commercials, you either feature the product or you create a feeling. And this this um, commercial series really just created the feeling, and it showed those moments where we did create or connect people to possibilities, whether it was creating a presentation for someone who got a great promotion because the presentation was so amazing, creating something that allowed a salesperson to to win a bid or a customer or a client. We've delivered wedding dresses. We've made sure rings were delivered to weddings at the very, like at the ninth hour is that called 11th hour the 10th hour yeah the 10th hour right and so all of those commercials they featured those kind of once in a lifetime events where FedEx um, and FedEx office helped to make that possible but that wasn't all they did they did some other really great things right
0: so obviously, they you know incorporated so many different things, right? So they obviously uh, made it impactful to the employees, they made it impactful from a customer perspective and having the customers understand it, and really integrating that in, amongst the organization and you know I, I think FedEx did really well at making sure they did. They made sure everyone knew about it, but they also made sure that their new people leaders knew about it. So when we built the uh, a brand new headquarters or rebuilt and integrated two different buildings into one, there was this wall and it just said, you know, I am FedEx, right? And so you Uh stood by it and you took a picture. And that was like what you did when you went to HQ as a people leader or for whatever reason, right? You stood by this wall, you took some pictures, and it was a really proud moment for you to really incorporate that. And you see that woven in other companies too they have a wall and you stand by it or you know i think you know conferences that you go to they have like some sort of stand up poster and you stand yes up and it has a phrase or something like that's your mantra that you could live by or something like that that you really just kind of you you get passionate or inspired by, about i think that's the biggest thing about your mission vision and values is that you not only as a people leader in an organization have to be inspired about it, but you also have to make sure everyone around you is also inspired and knowledgeable about it. And it was that simple. I feel like there's so many times, um, you know... You're in an organization, and they literally want your mission, vision, and values to be like 10 million sentences long. And who the hell is going to remember that? Like FedEx literally came up with the shortest phrase, and it was simple, straight, and to the point that literally everyone could repeat it if they had to. Yeah,
1: and you know it's funny you you've said and I've said this as well during this episode. Really simple. It's not rocket science. And I do want to reiterate it is simple. I'm not saying it's quick. A FedEx office was trying to move the needle on upwards of what was it, probably 20 to 30,000 people at FedEx office at the time. Yeah. You can't turn a ship overnight. And what they knew going into this is they had to be in it for the long haul. And that meant they found those great opportunities. So If you go back to it, like made it part of the culture. You made it exciting to be part of it. You made sure your customers understood it. You built it into your leadership so that they understood it and could teach it forward. But then they also, five, they wove it through everything. It was in corporate communication. It was woven into quality management. It was woven into every training class That came out from that day forward. Everything constantly came back to that purpose, that vision, that mission, and those values. When you were performance managing people, you could link it right back to the values or the principles of the organization. If you were rewarding people, you did as well. You said, This is how you connect people to possibilities. This is how you live our values. So by weaving it into all of the pieces of day-to-day activities, it starts to become habitual. It starts to become people's language at that point.
0: Their love language?
1: Their purple language. We <laughs> called it, purple is a big color of FedEx. Uh, you bleed purple. Um, yeah, it became a part of their work language. I can't call it a love language.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's really critical is you need to find simply something and simplify it. And it's interesting because as this company, real talent was created, it was literally me sitting in a conference and their mission, vision, and values were an acronym of people, and so they literally started off every sentence of that with you know with that letter, and they went through it, and people in the the employees in the organization really can, came, came together and collaborated and could reiterate that back or at least know the acronym. So or like we went to Rachel Hollis's and it's like they had, you know, five main go-to's just by treating everybody with respect and you know things like that, right? That were just so simple the day to day that that's how they live, that company live, breathe and eat uh and throughout the company, right? So I think you need to not overly complicate it. I think people try organizations try to get all fancy with the terminology like we like to optimize and blah 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 and it's
1: mm, it's okay like I get it people can't if people can't remember it you have gone if they can't at least tell you the gist of it you have gone too far you've made it too much yeah yeah
0: so I think that's one piece of it and then you know so obviously taking a look at your mission vision and values is huge and you need to train it top down and once you get that buy in you need to then identify how you're going to hold them accountable for not right so your people leaders need to instill your culture your mission your vision your values and how do you really do that right so you talked about you had these round tables well, can culture be changed overnight? For sure,
1: no chance. <laughs> so for sure.
0: So I think it's good for you to schedule a quarterly check-in back with the same people from the roundtable, or the same individuals that you walk, that you were walking around speaking to, or the per, any part of your population that you surveyed to identify the areas of concern and identify and give them a list of what you have done and talk through what they've been able to identify as well. Because if they don't see what you've done and you're like, well, we created new comms and we added this newsletter and we added a mission, vision and value. And you're, they're like,
1: uh, you did? We're never." <laughs> yeah.
0: I saw that come out in an email one.
1: Exactly, then you didn't do a good job and you need to be open to that. So I actually wanna go back to, you said something about deciding how you're gonna hold your people leaders um, accountable. So I'm gonna give you guys one of my resources now. It is not specifically about culture, but it is about leaders and being a people leader. There are two individuals, Kuzes and Posner, um, and they did a series of resources Called the Leadership Challenge. So, part of that, there are um, five kind of overarching themes that they see a successful leader has. And the very first one is model the way. Um, the second one is inspire shared vision. And I'll get to that in just a second when it comes to your lead- leaders. But I wanna go back to model the way. I can remember teaching um, leaders in class, and I would say, what do you think that means? And they would say, you got to walk the talk or don't ask other people to do what you weren't willing to do. And yes, that is absolutely part of it. But there's a piece of this that it is okay to hold your leaders accountable to that people never talk about. When you go to work for an organization, you have certain responsibilities. And they are things that you've got to be willing to step up anew One of the things that Cousins and Poser talk about is that you have to, as an individual, you have to be willing to look at the vision, the mission, and the values of the organization you're representing, and you have to align them with your core values. Because the minute you are hired as a people leader, you are now the man. I love that conversation, especially when you're talking to frontline supervisors or first-time managers, and they're all like, well, the man said, and I'm like, dude, you are the man. <laughs> the minute you are in charge of other people, you are the man. And you have to represent those values. So if you don't believe in them going into it, you need to ask yourself, if this is the right job. Because it is hard to represent that when you don't. I'm going to go back to uh, connecting people to possibilities for just a second. Even with my hint of sarcasm, because it was just funny to me, people to possibilities around the world, even with that hint of sarcasm, I could do that in every single class and mean it, because I'd worked with that company long enough to have rescued widows who Wanted scans of the last picture of their spouse. I have helped people edit pictures of deceased family members. I have stood there with Kleenex while family members were weeping and making obituaries for their loved ones. I have looked at the joy in someone's face when they got the job because we helped them make a great resume or the relief when they realized that they got there before that last pickup which meant that the thing they were trying that they had to overnight was actually going to get overnighted i could sell it because i believed that we actually did have the ability to connect people to possibilities all around the world your leaders are responsible for feeling the same way about your values your mission and your vision and if they don't you need different leaders okay go ahead Maria I'm done I'm off my soapbox
0: oh gosh well what do you do when those leaders can't
1: leave your fire them
0: <laughs> it's not that easy Michelle you can't just be like uh you're gone because you don't believe in our people and our possibilities I
1: you fire them you <laughs> Fire them. If you cannot move us forward, you are holding us back.
0: And we will help you at Real Talent in the right way to do that.
1: (laughs) We will help you fire people legally. (laughs) Actually, we'll only fire the people that are not right for the job. And I actually prefer to use the term promoting them to customer. (laughs) Promote those people. To be a customer of yours, not a people leader.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, obviously you want your people leaders to get on board, but you also want to know and try to identify who those people or leaders are and if they can get on board and you can shape and mold them and not fire them within two seconds, right? But there's obvious challenges that have been identified where you then are thinking about firing them because obviously they did not connect those people and possibilities as an example. So there's something
1: that Okay, fine. (laughs) Just because they say I don't believe in this, you can't just say, okay, you're fired. There is a little bit more to it than that. And if you didn't know that there was more to it than that, well let me just make it clear there's a little bit more that has to happen before you do that. But you still don't need to keep them forever.
0: Yeah, just for all you employees listening, we're not here to come into your companies and just clean house, right? We do understand at Real Talent that it costs us more money to, and any company, right?
1: You are totally trying to walk out of my fire them comment right now, aren't you? That's funny. I know, keep going. It <laughs> costs you more money to hire someone new? It does.
0: And in training and developing them than to just get the people leader on board
1: with your culture. True statement. So maybe what you should do is start with a really candid conversation where you say the following. I always talk smack on a podcast. I'm way different when I'm talking to people though. (laughs) So here's probably what I would say if I was talking to a resistant leader. Remember I said candid. I would be candid, but super polite. And I would say as a people leader or as a fill in the blank with whatever their title is, my expectation is that you help us move our culture forward. I can see from your past performance that you're struggling with this. I'm a need you. That's my favorite line. I'm going to write a whole book called I'm a need you. <laughs> Copyrighted Michelle Elder today, July 5th at 9.55 PM. I'm a need Because I would then say I'm a need you to help me understand how we can move you forward so that you are comfortable with those expectations and then i would pause and do nothing but listen maybe ask some clarifying questions because maria is right there is zero question that your job should be to keep anyone who is a value to your company or who could be a value to your company not just Fire them immediately. However, if I have coached you and if I have helped you, like when you said I need X, Y, and Z to help me move forward, and I gave you X, Y, and Z, and you still didn't move forward, probably pull you back in the room, and I'd say, "I noticed you didn't move forward. What's the problem?" And then maybe they say that well, I guess that wasn't what I needed. So I will say there's probably going to be one to three. Conversations. Maria probably say three to four conversations that needs to happen. But so we'll go one to four conversations that needs to happen before you fire them. Did I save myself?
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I think that's for everyone, even not even just your people leaders, right? Your your employees and your organization. It's critical. So let's kind of recap some of this because after you then Train and it's still this top down. You then obviously do your pulse check and then you make your changes, but then you wash, rinse, and repeat. And you literally do it over and over and over until literally you get things corrected. Until
1: people that worked for you six years ago still remember your purpose statement because that's what you're looking at right here. No, that's what you're listening to right here. Six years later, we still remember what drove FedEx office. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm.
0: So just to reiterate the processes, right? Establishing a culture committee or a team of individuals. So step one, step two, recreating or creating your mission, vision, and values and making it real to your organization and making sure that you're training and instilling top down, right? Right. Step three, weaving it through your communications and including it in your rewards and recognition, as well as opportunities to create and instill that company culture and hold people accountable for it. Step four, schedule quarterly check-ins to make sure that you're talking with the individuals who gave you that feedback and even adding a new subset and a new population to identify where your culture is at now and step five make the changes and step six wash rinse and repeat so that's exactly where you're at
1: and if you think there's more to it than that I'm going to ask that you step down off your crazy train and realize that it really is as simple as establishing you want to be communicated out that's really it it's that simple
0: that simple everybody keep it simple keep it real and if you need our advice or intake you know where to reach us at realtalent.com or here on our podcast every wednesdays take care everyone